0: Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening and welcome to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq al We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM and streaming at www.wcev1450.com. If you're new to the Radio Islam family, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. You can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, where you will find us at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA. And be sure to check out all of those previous episodes that you might have missed wherever you get your podcast. So if that's iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play or SoundCloud, you'll find us also at that same username, that same handle at Radio Islam USA. And what else do I want to tell you? I think that's it for right now. But we've got a great uh, a great conversation. Um, ready for you. Uh, in studio, we have with us um, Reverend Alex Awad, and he is here to uh, to, to speak uh, at a variety of different, uh, different events, but to tell you a little bit about him. Uh, he's widely spoken and written on topics of personal, theological, and political importance to Christians and members of other faiths living in Palestine and the Palestinian di- diaspora and in the United States. His topics are wide-ranging, timely, practical, and visionary, including the ongoing crisis in Gaza, pragmatic approaches to to peace, Jerusalem's importance, moving from interfaith dialogue to action, sustaining hope in dark times, and the Kairos moment. I said that right? Sure. Okay. All right. So uh, welcome, uh, Reverend Alex. Thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I'm so glad to be with you. Yes. So,
0: um, well, first off, Give us, give the Radio Radio Islam family a little bit of background about yourself. We talked about some of your works, but give us a little bit of background as to who Reverend Alex is.
1: Yeah, I'm a Palestinian Christian. I was born in Jerusalem in 1946. So that means I was born two years before the Nakba, which is the Palestinian catastrophe of 1948. In 1948 uh, we were living in West Jerusalem and West Jerusalem my neighborhood became a crossfire between um, a Jewish militia and the Jordanian army and my father who was a civilian was shot and killed and leaving my mother with uh, seven children and uh, soon we have to evict I mean we were forced to evict our neighborhood and we joined uh, the hundreds of thousands of Palestinian refugees who ran from um, West Jerusalem into uh, eastward and we ran to East Jerusalem and we tried to find a home in East Jerusalem. So this is my my early childhood, but I uh, uh, I studied in Jerusalem. I graduated from a school in Jerusalem, came to the United States to study studied here in several colleges and uh, universities and now I'm living in the United States but uh, my wife and I lived in Jerusalem for at least 26 years. Mm.
0: You know what I find really interesting just in hearing this little bit about you uh, right now is number one there is a I think a stereotype a belief that the only Palestinian Muslims were affected and uh, and, and maybe that in part is because of the uh, the, the vocalness um, of that segment of the uh, Palestinian uh, diaspora. Um, but we say we have Palestinian Christians.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we are almost the forgotten community <laughs> yeah. of the Holy Land. Although we've been there a long time ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> since since the days of Paul and uh, the apostles, right. we've been there. But yet uh, we are the forgotten community and. I can go to a church and i say i 'm a Palestinian Christian here in the United States, and you know the people will uh, raise their eyes up you know and they say What a Palestinian Christian? <laughs> I mean we know Palestinian terrorists, but not Palestinian Christians <laughs> so yeah, but I tell them, no, most Palestinians, you know whether they are Muslims or Christians, we are not terrorists, we are just human beings like any other people around the world, but yeah, there is still a Christian Palestinian community in the Holy Land. Yes. Yeah. And I've had the opportunity
0: to talk with some uh different people who have traveled there recently uh and to and who've brought back some of the, the stories of the relationships that might also surprise people who are here who look at the relationship between Muslims and Christians as being one of uh of antagonism.
1: Oh no. And, oh, no. and I've heard that it's it's quite quite the opposite. Yeah, it's it's quite contrary because uh, sometimes when i 'm uh, within Christian communities they 'll ask me, "Are you persecuted by Muslims?" Mm-hmm. and I say exactly the opposite Christians and Muslims in the Holy Land are actually in one trench, and we are trying to defend ourselves from Israeli occupation and the take over take over of our land of demolishing our homes, whether we are Christians or Muslims, mm-hmm. taking our water resources, taking our property. So when it comes to religion, the oppressor is colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> they don't see us as Muslims or Christians. They see us as Palestinians. Right. And if we are Palestinians, we fall under the same uh, category. Right, And then the sympathy that might be there for for European Christians
0: who are who who endure persecution. Uh, you find that it is absent because as a Palestinian Christian, you have the you carry the same uh phenotypical markers of uh, the, the the Palestinian Muslim, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so absent <laughs> absent a, a a complete difference, an outward difference, you know, the same language. Yes. Um you know, and and a lot of times we're talking about families that are also have um
1: they have, a, they have a common root as well. Is sure, that true? Sure. I mean, within my family, we have uh, Muslim aunts and uncles. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we are the same people. And uh, like I said, we are in the same trench and we have the same cause. Mm-hmm. And we all are uh, struggling to liberate ourselves from Israeli occupation and the brutality of what's happening in Palestine. Take us
0: back to the Nakba, to this, the catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Some people have heard about the the Balfour uh, Declaration declaration, uh, and others have not. But what are some of the things that people may not be aware of surrounding that that whole event?
1: Yeah, uh, last year we remembered the Balfour Declaration. It was 100 years uh, passed since the Balfour Declaration. Well, I mean, the... The irony is that here, Britain uh, was giving Palestine to persecuted uh, Jews in Europe. And Palestine does not belong to the British. That's even before... Uh, the British occupied uh, Palestine. It wasn't even if they had occupied it it did not belong to them. They have no right to give my country to another people. But this is the essence of the Belfort Declaration. It says that uh, His Majesty's government uh, you know sees fit to uh, you know uh, create a homeland for the Jewish people in uh, Palestine. And that declaration totally ignores the presence of the Palestinian people. And that led to the Zionist propaganda, which always said Palestine, a land without a people for the Jewish people, people without a land.
0: And the logic is astounding in that to help a persecuted people, we will replace them with another people.
1: Yeah, it is what I call bitter justice. Mm-hmm. to try to, to do justice to one person by doing so much harm to another person. <laughs> right. So in essence, it's not justice. It's cruelty. Right. So um, I had a, an opportunity. I spoke with a, uh,
0: a prominent activist here, um, Tariq um, Khalil. Yes. Yeah. And he spoke at length about the, the right of return, which is when he talk about um, the Palestinian diaspora, and how there are millions millions of people who have who have never been able to set foot back on their uh, in their ancestral uh homeland uh the place that possibly their their grandparents were born um and that that's not that's not something that's really talked about alongside this idea of the right of existence when we when we talk about um Israel how, do, how, do, how does that conversation get balanced out?
1: Yeah, well, it is sad. I mean, uh, I lived in uh, East Jerusalem. I was just only a couple of kilometers away from my home in West Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And I could walk there, literally, but I could not go back and live in my home because now a Jewish li- family lives where I used to live. But that is only one family, but think about it, all, almost 800,000 Palestinians became refugees in 1948. Mm-hmm. Many of them locked their homes and they assumed that after the war they would come back to their homes, but the Zionists either flattened their homes or... Uh, Uh, fortified the borders where any Palestinian man, woman, or child that tried to cross over to his or her home was shot and killed at the border. So the bulk of the Palestinians stayed in refugee camps. Of course, the Red Cross gave them tents, and uh, uh, where they pitched those tents, it became the refugee camps. And for 10 years, these people lived in these tents. And then the United Nations gave them small cottages. But, you know, those refugees in Lebanon or refugees in Syria or in the Gaza Strip or in the West Bank or anywhere in the Arab world, they have the right to go back. And here's what I think. If Jews have the right to leave the country for 2,000 years Mm -hmm. and then come back to it, why can't Palestinians after 100 years, even 70 years, come back to their country, which belongs to them? And according to the United Nations, according to uh, UN Resolution One Nine Four and other UN resolutions, the Palestinians have the right to go back to their homes that they lost in what we call today Israel. Right. And according also to international
0: uh, yes. edicts or, or or law, they are an occupied state People, yeah. right now. Why is there such a? Why is there such a, a lack of... Even though there are, there's a lot of activism going on, but in terms of the, the general response from the media, mm-hmm. why do you think that there is such a lack of a stance that's taken in, in, in support of the Palestinian people?
1: Well, regretfully, uh, even now as a Palestinian, but I'm also an American citizen, mm-hmm. I would say the problem really lies here in the United States. And U.S. Uh, policy towards... Uh, Israel and Palestine, that has been totally shaped by the Israeli lobby right here in the United States. Mm-hmm. They are billionaires, many of them. They are wealthy. They they have uh, power over Congress, and they have totally hijacked uh, American foreign policy in the Middle East. So it's not the American people who m- make American foreign policy in the Middle East, it's not even a U.S. Congress. It's really the Israeli lobby sets the American foreign policy in the Middle East, and uh, the American uh, politicians just stamp on it with OK, because nobody wants to cross Israel. Nobody wants to cross the Jewish lobby that financed their uh, election campaigns. Right. And and even and to that
0: point, nobody wants to put themselves out well nobody nobody that's in the public eye i would yes, say yes. wants to put themselves in a position where they where they uh, incur the wrath of of those who who will label any criticism yeah, they as
1: semitism they come at these people like uh, uh, wild wolves i mean they they are very vicious and they they, they really attack any person who uh, says anything or do anything against the state of Israel, mm-hmm. especially if you are a high-profile politician. Right, right. Uh, what do you think about
0: the, with the advent of uh, social media, uh, what do you think about the, uh, and it's been termed, it's been said that it now democratizes information. It, it, it allows for, for people that might have not been heard before to, to gain an audience, but you're still competing with, you know, with, with the yes. big boys, right? Yes. But what, what do you think about this in in terms of if its ability to, sure. to get, to I, change I, yeah, public I, perception? I
1: think the the uh, social media uh, gives hope right now mm-hmm. to the underdog, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to people like Palestinians and other people who are oppressed, uh, because uh, the establishment cannot. Uh, keep a lid on the mouth of the uh, social media, and people are able to communicate with their friends, even in Gaza or in Hebron, uh, or anywhere in uh, the West Bank, and tell them, "Hey guys, this is what's happening to us," and also here are pictures. You can see the pictures of what's going, and nobody can refute them. And so what is not going on on major TV screens now, it is coming to us through the uh, internet, through social media. And that is really wonderful because that gives hope. Because now the new generation, even of Americans here, and even of young American Jews, are learning, you know, the whole conflict in a different perspective, and they are uh, not listening to the old lines of hypocrisy. Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think about the, uh, the 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 alliance that seems to have been formed between? Uh, Palestinian activists and Black Lives Matter activists? Is that something that, it's, that, that's is, a, that surprised it you? It is so
1: or? natural. It is so yeah. natural. I mean, uh, there is so much racism and there is so much oppression mm-hmm. of uh, black people here. And there is so much racism and oppression in Palestine. So people who are oppressed... Uh, now they can come together and say, uh, Yeah, we, we are brothers and sisters in suffering, right. and we can collaborate with each other and we can work together mm-hmm. uh, to free ourselves from oppression. So I think it's uh, a, a wonderful thing that the bla- uh, Black Lives Matter in the United States is uh, responding to the Palestinian issue. Yeah, and, I think that's and, uh, a beautiful thing, myself. Realizing also that they have allies uh, in the Palestinian and Arab uh, countries.
0: Yes, yes. Um, talk to us a little bit about the the theological um, positions that you have taken with regard mm-hmm. to the occupation. Well, I'll you know, understand.
1: many many Christians uh, totally misunderstand the theological issue mm-hmm. because uh, they read the Old Testament and the New Testament and they conclude that God gave the Holy Land to the Jewish people forever and ever and ever. Right. But this can be challenged even from the Bible. So uh, in my book, uh, my book, Uh, the title of my book is Palestinian Memories the story of a Palestinian mother and her people Uh, chapter 10 in my book I focus on this question and uh, the name of the chapter is a biblical alternative to Christian Zionism Mm. so I try to show from the Bible from the Torah and from the Old Testament and the New Testament the Injil that no, uh, th- this is not true. The emphasis on the biblical record is on justice, on how uh, to live with your neighbor, how to coexist, regardless of race, regardless of religion, regardless of ethnicity. And uh, the essence of the Bible is not to steal somebody else's land in the name of God Almighty. <laughs> right. And so I I try to bring this uh, and using a biblical terminology verses and passages from the scripture to show that uh, what is happening in Palestine cannot be sanctioned by almighty God right. uh, absolutely not God is a God of peace and justice now we know that uh,
0: because we try to avoid painting with broad strokes um, because we know that, that all Jew- there is a certain contingent of, of Jews, uh, Jewish Americans in particular that have stood up um, I believe they're called uh not in my name. Yeah, or, Jewish voices for yeah, peace. Yeah, Jewish voices for peace. I think that, that's their slogan. Yeah. yeah. And um so I would imagine that they obviously would be in support of that of that position. Yeah. But what about those who have found uh, Can you tell me, are there those who have pushed back against that uh those assertions?
1: Oh yes. I mean uh there there are Jews who are uh Uh, who look at the situation and they are saying to Israel, no, not in my name. I don't want to oppress the Palestinians. And uh, as a Jew, I want to see uh, Israelis and Palestinians living together in peace and harmony uh, in the Holy Land. And so they totally distance themselves from the radical policies of the current state of Israel. And, of course, when they do that, they themselves, even though they love Israel, they don't hate the Jewish people. They are called Jew haters, mm-hmm. and they are being persecuted by their own people for taking a more humanitarian position on the Arab-Israeli conflict.
0: Do you think this, the, this, this um, turning a blind eye to obvious oppression right. from, having, from watching someone have their land uh, their lives up into having their land taken from them this diminishes what it means to to carry the label
1: of uh, a, a jew of course or, of course this, this is really an insult to the jewish faith yeah. insult to judaism when jews in the name of god in the name of uh, allah in the name of Yahweh, whatever you want to call god they, they go and oppress other people and take their land by force and say, God told me to do this. You know, it's uh, amazing because there is an incident when my brother, his name is Mubarak, Mubarak Awad, he's uh, also an activist. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was planting olive trees in uh, a certain area near Hebron. And the Jewish settlers would come and take those olive trees out. And, you know, they're small olive trees and they yeah. take them out. And he told the settler, why do you do this? Why do you take the olive trees out? He said, well, you know, this is our land. God gave it to us. And then after a while, my brother told him, do you really believe in God? He said, no, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So it's convenient for him to believe in God when he's taking the uh, Palestinian trees out. But actually, he's just a, a secular Jew.
0: And I think that's, that's the other thing that a lot of people who are observing what's going on, they're coming to a realization that none of this, none of this uh, supports the idea of, of an
1: adherence to God's law. Yeah, exactly, and, and it's really a shame. I mean, uh, God calls us, whether we are Jewish, Muslim, or Christian, mm-hmm. to make peace, to love our neighbors, to do good on earth, and not to cause all of this problem since 1948. In the Holy Land, we have one problem after the other. And because of Israeli oppression for the Palestinian people, and that also spread to Syria, to Iraq, to Lebanon, to Afghanistan, to many other countries. As long as the occupation continues, the Middle East will not have peace. And I call on my uh, Jewish brothers and sisters to stand in solidarity With those Jews who are trying to uh, reconcile with Palestinians on terms of equality and human rights, rather than continue with the old establishment that wants to take every piece of Palestine and make it a Jewish state. Right. So, what should be a
0: pretty clear cut, right or wrong, right? What should be pretty clear cut has been politicized. Um, What is the to unpoliticize uh, the, the 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 situation, um, and we're talking about since forty eight and before that, because we had there were uh, Jewish um, um, uh, settlers that were there. Um, what is the modern day solution to 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 bring uh, reconciliation to, uh, to 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 bring peace back to make? those who have been wronged whole.
1: First of all, Israelis need to recognize that Palestinians are human. They need to recognize humanity of the Palestinian people and not treat them like dirt. You know, that's the first thing. I mean, um, once they, they treat us as human and treat us as equal, then it is easy to sit down and talk peace and justice. Right now, they feel like they are rich, they are powerful, they are strong and they can crush us under their feet. Well, with this kind of equation, they cannot make peace with us. So what I, I, you know, most Palestinians are willing to take the one state solution, a state where uh, there will be equal rights to all the people, whether they are Jews or Palestinians, one kind of passport for the whole uh, population, and uh, all of us just vote for, this, uh, for one president or one, uh, one leader, you know. So uh, an actual democracy. Total democracy in one state where we look at each other as just humans, not even as Jews and Palestinians or Muslims or Christians or whatever. Just we are all humans. We live in that country and we respect each other's humanity and we build up the country on the uh, principles of fairness, justice, and equity. That is, that is good, but of course, most Israelis are afraid of that because uh, that in means to them losing what they would call uh, a Jewish state. They they have always dreamed of having a Jewish state in the Holy Land. All right, if you want to have a Jewish state in the Holy Land, then take the two-state solution, which ha- which has been offered to them for the last fifty years. Mm-hmm. For the last 50 years the Israelis have been offered the two state solution and again and again and again they have been rejecting it which means a Palestinian state only on 22% of historic Palestine and a Jewish state on 78% of historic Palestine so we are we as Palestinians because we are the, the underdog we are willing to take whatever we are willing to take a a two-state solution, we are willing to have the one-state solution, but what we are not willing to accept is the status quo as it is today, where we are totally subjugated by the Israelis, where they they take our land, our water resources, uh, you know, they abuse, uh, they kill our people, uh, incarcerate our children, that's what is too difficult to accept, and the whole world should not be willing to accept that. Yeah, that that is a major problem. What is the response
0: of the the Arab na- neighbor countries? Uh, what are the sentiments of the people, not not necessarily the uh, the political leaders, but of the people? Do you have a, a sense of of what yeah. their sentiments are?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you go to the streets of Cairo or uh, the streets of Baghdad or Damascus or uh, Beirut, you talk with the average uh, Arab person he or she is fully 100% in support of Palestine now when you go to the leaders Mm -hmm. uh, they are somehow sick and tired of what we call the Arab-Israeli conflict they want to have it finished no matter how you finish it just finish it And I think this is how the Egyptians and the Saudis are feeling. That's why they are putting their hands in the hands of Netanyahu and Trump in order to try to end up the Arab-Israeli conflict, no no matter how it ends up. But of course, we Palestinians are not going to let the Saudis and the Egyptians and Netanyahu and even Trump to dictate um, on us a peace uh, agreement. We want you know we want a peace agreement that is acceptable by the international community mm-hmm. by uh, yes the United States but also all the other countries and we don't want a peace agreement that will go against our national rights yeah, or, or diminish you um,
0: and yeah. the idea of well and it's, it's important not to mistake the absence of violence to mean that there is peace mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, as of right now, what a lot of people may or may not be aware of is that Israel exists as an apartheid state. And some of the examples uh, that that I've been made aware of are that there are different there are different schedules for mail delivery. If you're a, a, a Jew, uh, if you're Jewish, then you get your mail. If you don't, if you're not uh, Jewish, whether you're Christian or Muslim, then what is it? You have to go. And pick your mail up yourself. Just something as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So when you when you start getting down to these small things that here in the United States that most of us just take for granted, because we feel as you know we're we're, we're citizens, we're taxpayers, uh, that we're entitled to the same service th- uh, that our neighbors get. In, uh, in in Israel, Palestine, we're looking at a completely different
1: uh set of operations. And set of laws. For example, I was born in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. I lived there most of my uh, life. I came to the United States to study. When I went back to live in Jerusalem, they told me I'm no more a citizen and I don't have the right to live in my own country. So they have a set of laws. You know, for the Jews there is what they call the law of return. It means any Jew living anywhere in the world can go to Israel and instantly he or she can get and Israeli citizenship, mm. while Palestinians who lived there all their life, were born there, all, lived there, there all their life. If they leave the country, then there is the fear that they may lose the right of return and the right, the right to live in their country. And then once they lose that right, it's impossible to gain it. So I'll be going to Palestine in a few weeks, but I will be going with my American passport because I don't have a Palestinian passport <laughs> to take me to my country. And I don't have the right even to live uh, anymore in uh, my country. Wow. Um, are, you, are you hopeful
0: for a resolution uh, to this in your in your lifetime?
1: Well, I used to be when I was 50. Now I'm 72. <laughs> I, no, I continue to hope. You know, I, I believe in God. I believe in peace. I believe in justice. And uh, like Martin Luther King said, the arch of history uh, gradually moves towards peace and justice. So, yeah, I, I believe something is going to happen and uh, we will see peace and justice in the Holy Land.
0: God willing. Gladly. Yes. So, uh, so what do you have? What do you have coming up? Um, I know we mentioned earlier that you, you're here. You're, you're on some different uh, speaking tours. Uh,
1: yeah, I will be speaking at uh, Good Shepherd uh, United, uh, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, mm-hmm. uh, in Oak Park, at uh, tonight at six thirty.
0: Okay. Tonight six thirty.
1: And how can more? And also, I will be um, uh, at the Methodist Church. It's called uh, Gary United Methodist Church. Uh, the address is 224 North Main Street, Wheaton, Illinois. And that is Sunday morning, April 28, 2018. Okay. And, uh, yeah, 2018, yes. That is Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, April 28th. Also, there is uh, also at two o'clock. Two o'clock, I have speaking engagements, so uh, <laughs> you are welcome. That is also uh, at Gary United Methodist Church.
0: Okay, all well, right. Alhamdulillah, that Alhamdulillah. Is, uh, that's wonderful.
1: We appreciate you taking the time
0: to, uh, Thank you. to come in and Thank share you. It with us. It's been my joy. Yeah. Uh, before we Before we
1: let you go, tell us the name of your book again. Um, in English, it's called Palestinian Memories, the story of a Palestinian mother and her people. In Arabic, it will be called uh, Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Good stuff. Good
0: stuff. We've been talking with Reverend Alex Awad, a Palestinian Christian minister who is here uh, on a few different speaking engagements. Um we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, we're gonna be joined in studio by Samir Husseini, and we're gonna be talking about some of the comments that were made on this first segment and a lot more. So we'll be back in just a minute. This is Radio Slime, and we're on WCEV 1450 AM. Closure is hard on every member of the family, but your family is not alone. If you're struggling with your mortgage, there is help. To learn about the government's Making Home Affordable program, visit makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE to speak to a HUD-approved housing counselor. It's free of charge. Visit makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE today. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, NeighborWorks America,
2: and the Ad Council.
1: as alaikum. As a blessed month of Ramadan approaches, and we ask Allah for His mercy and favor, we ask that you not only keep SoundVision in your du'a, but that you also support it financially. Programs like Adam's World, Radio Islam, media trainings, the Crisis Text Line, and the Weekend School Teachers Institute are made possible by the support of listeners like you. Remember, donations made to SoundVision are tax-deductible, as well as Zakat-eligible. We appreciate your continued support and urge you to visit www.soundvision.com today. Click on the Give button and donate. Jazakallah LaJer.
0: Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill, and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds, Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Munoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the
2: Art Council. Assalamu alaikum. This Saturday, April 28th, Sound Vision will be hosting a weekend school teacher's training day. This will be a day-long seminar focused on training teachers and administrators to build a better weekend school system. For thousands of Muslim children... Weekend school is crucial in forming their perception of Islam. If you're a teacher, please attend this
0: free event. Join us at 9.30 a.m. at Islamic Foundation in Villa Park.
2: You can register at soundvision.com.
0: Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alamine. We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at www.wcev1450.com. And remember to keep up with us on social media by liking and following our pages, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And you can also listen to all of the episodes that you may have missed wherever you get your podcast. You'll find us at that same username, at Radio Islam USA. Okay. Even though I enjoy the music, I'm going to just fade it on out. We'll get on out of that. So, um we're actually now going to get into the uh, second portion of our conversation for tonight. And we have with us Samir Husseini. Uh yes. Okay, is, is he still here? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay. All right, we don't we don't have him. We don't have him. Say, say it again. Say something again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. We got you. We got you. Good. 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 All right. Salam alaikum.
2: Alaykum salam. So, so you were
0: you you were present. You you heard the interview with uh, Reverend Alex and some of the uh, you know some of his uh, responses, the information that he shared. And one of the questions that I asked him was, "What was the response of the uh, the Arab neighbors? Not necessarily the uh, political leaders." Uh, but the just the the average citizen, and he said that there was a there was a definitely a level of support uh, that was there, and to that I want to ask you uh, because we had a little conversation offline. Um, what are some of your thoughts with regard to uh, the support that's marshaled and the way the way that's framed?
2: Yeah, I overheard that conversation that you had with him, and I think it was uh, you know. It was uh, what he said was very true. I think your average Arab in the in the Middle East uh, they do support Palestine. It's a very important issue to them, and um, they're in solidarity with uh, the people in Palestine, mainly because there's a shared culture, same language, a a shared history. But I think uh, as we were talking earlier, I think that's all great and whatnot, but. I think there's uh, one issue with the way it's kind of, in terms of the cognitive frame they're trying to pro- they're approaching the issue at. Mm-hmm. Um, they're approaching it from kind of a nationalistic cognitive frame, as in the idea of we want to liberate Palestine and include it in the part of the Greater Levant, or as they say in the Arabic, uh, Shem. Right. which it makes sense because there's a shared culture, shared history, same shared language. But I think that's problematic because what that does is that that c- still doesn't open up the it still creates kind of a wall and a barrier between that group of group of people and i'm speaking this as a syrian a person from that land who is aware of the situation i consider myself a syrian and proud to be syrian but at the same time what that does is that it creates barriers with the rest of uh, the muslim community and even the larger human community
0: so you mean in terms of Uh, in terms of being able to secure uh, allies or in terms of connectivity to other groups of people, that it basically puts only those people who fall under the banner of being
2: being an Arab, Mm -hmm. basically. It puts them on an island by themselves. That's correct. And also on top of that, what it does is that it makes it purely an Arab issue rather than an Islamic and human issue, as you're saying. And I think that's so true because... But I think what you do is when you do these important like, uh, like movements like this and certain uh, goals we're trying to reach in social justice, we need to make these things as all-inclusive. Why? Because we're trying not just reach justice for one people, but for all people, all human beings, whether Muslims or Jews or Christians all over the world. And even this from an Islamic perspective, mm-hmm. our Prophet, uh, peace so and blessings so. be, uh, be upon him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was a rahmah for uh, l alameen He was a mercy for all of the world, for all of mankind, and that we have to be those for, those those agents of mercy no, yeah you know
0: what when, when you mentioned that that it, it, it 's a stark contrast to um, i think that there 's a national undercurrent of conscience uh, today we talk about this, this neoliberal movement uh, where everything has has shifted away from. Being community focused to the individual, mm-hmm. uh, and within that, there's a reflection of a political, uh, a political ideology that, that is also based on not necessarily what is best for humanity, best for um, for us all, but what is best for for me as an individual or my my particular group. So, do you find that interesting? That even in the resistance to oppression, that we we tend to model the the same the the same framework that uh, through which we are oppressed.
2: Yeah, and I I agree with your your analysis. That's so true, and it's very it's ironic, but also you, you, you when you see we hear these things happen and you see these things occurring and manifesting, and especially in modernity in the modern world, I think you come to ask your question: Is it really ironic or uh, happenstance or coincidental or? is it just how human natures are human nature is like we, I think in the, this is something we try to we should try to strive to uh transcend mm-hmm. But part of our human nature as in terms of our nefs and our 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 ego and our desires that we enjoy asabiyah or the idea of um tribalness or being part of a group or groupthink right. and it's it's uh it gives um you know, people find comfort in that. But I think that's something we need to try to transcend. And that's what something, as you're saying, it's ironic because we see that now, even though neoliberalism, uh, we're trying to uh, um, work against neoliberalism, especially in a kind of conflict like this. We do see that kind of same trend coming and spreading to the Middle East. And it just goes to show you how powerful neoliberalism, the idea of the monoculture is. It's even spreading to the people who are trying to resist it. Yeah
0: now there are a lot of uh historical i think parallels one of the things uh, that i think that exists in the resistance to oppression <clears throat> on behalf of the um the the palestinians in particular uh to the civil rights movement and the um the resistance of african americans at that time mm-hmm. uh and one of those things i think can be found very very clearly it's clearly clearly illustrated in what took place today And was just matter of fact, I I haven't even had time to delve into the facts of it. But as our guests were leaving, they shared with us that there were, what did they say, I think 500 people that were uh injured, and then uh, another uh, uh, there was another sum of people that were that were killed by Israeli um military. Uh, and this is the walk for was the march the great march for return, I think that's what she uh, phrased it as. Did you catch that?
2: No, I didn't really catch that whole part. I was just overhearing it like a little bit,
0: yeah, but uh well, however it's branded, I think that's really secondary to the fact that um that nonviolent protesters were the victim of uh an an ungodly and i would I would say just an immoral use of force on behalf of the state, and I say the parallel because. This is the same predicament. This is the same circumstance that African-American protesters, nonviolent protesters, found themselves in when they were the victims of uh, police dogs being, uh, 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 you know, sicked on them and um, uh, the the fire hoses and, you know, all those types of things. Um, when, When this type of oppression takes place, I think this is a, a, a big setup I just gave. But when <laughs> when, this type, when this type of oppression takes place, I think there is something within the individual that its first response, its emotional response, is to protect itself. And the mercy doesn't come, or the, the idea of being a mercy for, for everyone, to champion everyone, that takes a lot, of, a lot of effort to get to that point, to get out of the space where it's just about you. Do you agree, or do you?
2: that is? Uh, it's funny how you mentioned that I had a long setup. Those are usually the long setups being the best questions. <laughs> so yeah. no, but, uh, yeah, I agree 100. Uh, that's I think that's uh, the first response we have. We want to we look to uh, defend ourselves first before trying to actually standing up for what's right and being principled and as you said it's 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 um you know we we try to be principled people and we try to stand up for what's right but it's either easier easier said than done um yeah. i mean in our religion we're commanded to uh to to uphold justice even for those who um might not be of our quote unquote group right and it's uh it's it's something that's a struggle and says all parts of our religions you know it's like a, a struggle of the self and trying to Better oneself to try to get to that level, but as you said, I think first response, first reaction is definitely trying to preserve oneself, and then secondly, also try to preserve one's group rather than standing up for justice and what's right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the the idea of taking this outside of the just the nationalistic um, response, right? And I think I think that's that's the common thread I think uh, through all of this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to push us a little bit further into the coming holy month of Ramadan,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, and I, I push us at that point to, to grapple with this question. point was already stated, but to really grapple with it. What type of work do you think has to be done to, to have that type of mindset where we're actually following in the footsteps? Right, we just went from a political conversation into a theological. Yeah. <laughs> right, I
2: mean, the, but, I think you have to root your poli- your politics in your in your theology. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's I've made that some, maybe a whole different discussion, but I feel like activism is extremely important. But we don't root our activism into our theology; we don't ground it. That. But that's a whole other discussion. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to back up for a second. Yeah. I
0: want to entertain that that train of thought. <laughs> okay, all right. Because as Muslims, we see ourselves as not just coming from a having a common theological um uh source right or origin but we see ourselves as having an origin that encompasses this human family that we all come from a single human uh soul
1: mm-hmm.
0: thinking about the idea of our theology influencing our or being the bedrock for our politics mm-hmm. this once again is common this this um, this gathering of humanity. Do you feel like our politics are representative of a union of the, in particular, we'll say the three Abrahamic faiths, that there is a a union uh, that exists there that can address some of the the, the ills that separate us.
2: Can you clear? Was that,
0: was that clear? No, that was kind of that was kind of No, it
2: was it was it's my fault for I'm I'm not my it's my lack of and understanding.
0: A, well, I, you know what, I, you're a good guy for 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 taking the no. I'm gonna that's my fault. I, I'll say okay. it. So what I'm saying is, uh, as we have this common origin, mm-hmm. uh, as as a human family, do you think that our politics? I'm, I'm not going to say do you think it does, but what are, what do you think are the things that we need to do? to make sure that our politics reflect that type of origin. So, I mean, going across from Muslim to mm-hmm. Christian, Jew, uh, and, and to everything else yeah. under the sun. I
2: feel, Yeah, I think this is, yeah, I know, I, now, I get, um, now I understand. But um, I think what needs to be done is we need to, and you were saying, how do we ground ourselves in the religion to reflect our politics? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of issue nowadays is that politics is considered the end instead of a means to an end. And it's not grounded by anything. And what I mean, well, how do we ground It's just the character of the Prophet ﷺ and the Islamic ethic, which is what? It's just upholding oneself to Ihsan and being the best human being you could be by having good character and manners. Mm -hmm. And um, real social change happens, I think, I really truly believe, by bringing people together instead of dividing. And being a means to bring people together and be a mercy to each uh, to one another. And I feel like a lot of times in our, in our community, we try to divide each other, blame, and instead of trying to f- bring to people each, people together, and embodying that uh, Islamic ethic. Um, so when I say we ground ourselves in our theology, when we ground ourselves, what we need to do is we need to remind ourselves constantly when we're out there on the field doing social justice um, that we're doing it for a higher purpose and we're grounding ourselves in how we ought to be um, I feel like a lot of times a lot of people so, we're doing social justice work mm-hmm. rightfully so they're frustrated and upset and mad because there is oppression but um we need to be able to uh, real it's it's hard it's very tough
0: I, I asked a question I asked a question mm-hmm. on uh, well, we posted a question on Radio Islam on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And the question was, do you think that being Muslim is synonymous with being woke? Right. That's the term that's <laughs> it has gained a lot of traction, <laughs> right? So <laughs> what, what you're saying is very much in line with this idea of, uh, of, a, of a, an active
2: consciousness. Mm. Um, what, what do you what do you what do you think about that? <laughs> being Muslim <laughs> equals being woke, not necessarily because we haven't many, many non woke Muslims, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But it should be yeah. I mean, whatever you define woke as, this is a kind of new age term. Yeah. I'm even though I'm like 24 years old, <laughs> I'm not like I'm kind of an old man. My uh, one yeah. of my friends he jokes that I'm. Uh, <laughs> that I, I my animal spirit is George Costanza from Seinfeld oh, really? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> not George uh, yeah George that's my guy so yeah I love George <laughs> but uh, so I'm more like a 40 year old guy <laughs> I, from like New York Yeah. so I'm not familiar too much with woke means, but from my understanding what woke means is being socially conscious and being yeah. aware of uh, the ills and kind of uh, atrocities and oppression that's going on in society and I think uh, Muslim being if you 're being a proper Muslim you 'll be properly woke if that yeah 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 i I, I can dig that, yeah, I dig that. so I mean in the end of the day you 're doing it for God, you know right, and you always have God on mind, and if would you 're doing it for that purpose, then I think you're going to have uh success, and I think you 're doing it properly
0: all right now I know we're jumping around a little bit, you yeah. we uh we 've only got a few minutes left, mm-hmm. um but I want to take uh take put the spotlight back on um the idea of people who don't have they have they have to rely on outside agitators to advocate for them now you mentioned as a um identifying as a proud uh syrian right um what are your what are your thoughts with regard to to the condition of of the people uh and in syria right now
2: i mean obviously it's saddening yeah and it's especially saddening for me now because, to be honest, um, I used to go to Syria all the time, at, like when I was a kid over the summers mm-hmm. to visit family. But the issue is, um, when I was there, I wasn't too familiar with the culture, or my language, my Arabic was very poor at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, you would think that if you were to go to f- overseas, you'd improve your language and you'd be more connected. But no, actually, I was a very much an Americanized kind of kid, and even when I went over there and whatnot. Yeah. it was not until after the uh the crisis that occurred in syria and that a, um everything that happened that i really started connecting more with syrian culture and it was actually very funny it's via um yani, alhamdulillah my connection with islam mm. um why is that the case and of course i was saying earlier uh we were talking earlier about the, how i'm i'm not a fan of nationalism right. and i believe that you know as prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said no one, no Muslim is better than another Muslim, except in Taqwa. Right. So I love my Muslim brother from, you know, America or from Morocco or from Pakistan or from Chad. More, there says, as I love my Muslim brother from Syria. But that being said, there is a lot of fada'il or excellence in Syria in the land of Shem. We know that from Hadith, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of scholars from there. From so, for that reason. Um, just through my love of these scholars and these people that I was kind of following, and I've met people who study there, even um, non-Arabs. Yeah, I've got quite a few friends. Yeah, you were telling me yourself, you have a lot of few friends who went to Syria, and just, man, they love it. Mm -hmm. And just through that connection, I've reattached myself to loving Syria, and it's only after that happened, so it's now it's, I have, I'm saddened, but I'm also saddened because, like, you have all this experience now that I've, or this new knowledge I've gained, I never really got to experience it. There and it was kind of uh, blind to it, so that's you know it, it's it's hurt it hurts on a lot of levels.
0: So. Um, we respond to things. I think most most noticeably during times of tragedy, mm-hmm. uh, loss of life. Uh, if it's a natural disaster, these things spur people to conversation. Uh, do you feel that a lot of? I mean, aside from the recent chemical attacks, was about mm-hmm. a, that was a I think a last week or a week before. Yeah, I'm you know what? My traveling uh, threw me off. It was yeah. actually before that, before I left. Yeah. Um, but do you think, aside from that, that people are as sensitized or or sensitive to the plight of uh, people who just want a, a normal life, but instead are being met with um barbarism? Yeah. Um, do you think that people, in particular right here in in, in the states, uh, are are really aware?
2: No, uh, to be honest, we're very desensitized and we should not be desensitized we should still but and uh and i think we're not aware of also kind of the situation as you were saying mm-hmm. we're unaware of this like how a lot of the, the people over there you know i don't like getting into the politics too much especially picking political sides and who should be in the because it's so complicated um obviously we always stand against oppression mm-hmm. but uh yeah as i think um the one thing they, uh, the people here we don't realize that many people just want to return and have a normal life. Right. They don't care who's in power. And um, I'm not saying I support anyone. I'm just kind of like them. I just want the people to live back and have a normal life. Yeah. Just and have peace and security, you know.
0: And you know what? I'll close out with this because I think we've come to a really important point. And that is if we could as people of faith, I think as human beings, right, because my my understanding uh the way I try to em- embrace uh this 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 wonderful uh dean this wonderful faith this religion is that being a Muslim means that I am striving to be an excellent example of a human being uh and uh, as such, my concerns go beyond just Muslims or they go beyond uh you know my um my ethnicity as you know being african-american or mm. american whatever it is but really it goes to the idea of being a champion for humanity and, and everything that's involved with it yeah. being that mercy as the prophet peace and prayers be upon him was a mercy to all the worlds so um you know i i, I prayed that uh that the allows us to to move closer to that because i think you said a lot of really uh, i think important things for us to think about and to uh and then try to try to implement. And I think if we're conscious about those things, then we'll see, we'll see, we'll, we'll be able to have conversations about mass incarceration, yeah. about poverty, about over pol, uh, policing, about uh, the the the, the um, uh, Palestine, about Syria, exactly. about uh, Yemen. We'll be able to have broad mm-hmm. conversations that reflect exactly. a commitment to kissed to, to justice, equity, uh, and, and and peace.
2: Slaqt. Yes, truth. Spoken the truth. Well,
0: I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us uh, yeah, Samir and uh, Radio Islam family we thank you for joining us and what should I tell you uh, don't forget about the weekend school training teachers institute that is taking place tomorrow at Islamic Foundation and uh, we hope you've enjoyed our program this evening and we look forward to talking to you again on Monday and with that we are going to thank our Engineers over at WCEV for making sure we come through loud and clear, and we want to who else? we we'll, to we'll thank our guest uh, in our first segment, uh, Reverend Alex Awad. Uh, once again, we thank Samir Husseini for joining us in the second segment. I'm your host and producer, our oh, and engineer. So I did it. I you know I bounced around a little bit tonight. Uh, so with that, we also remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of SoundVision Inc. Now I'm done. So, guys, have a great weekend, Radio Song family. I'm going to leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.